0: The Queen's Jewish Link presents the Jewish Living Podcast, the show that examines the many facets of Orthodox Jewish life. Here's your host, Izzo Zwerin.
1: Depending on in which circles you travel, you may or may not have been aware of the recent Asifa that was held in the Prudential Center in New Jersey. If you think back to the last such Asifa in 2012, you may remember that it was targeted at the from-male population and railed against the dangers of the internet. That was at a time when smartphones were just beginning to be the primary mobile phone in individual's pockets. The gathering at Cityfield was there to warn against the dangers of the internet. We are now ten years later and a new Asifa took place. This went over two nights and directed at women. Now usually we would have on someone who may have helped organize the event or a community leader. But I wanted to try something different with this episode and have on a guest who is simply listening to the speeches.
0: Hi, my name is Bella Silver, and I'm here to talk about the Nakadesh event that took place a couple of weeks ago at the Prudential Center.
1: Bella will discuss what went down at this two-night event, share her thoughts on the tone and tenor, and we will discuss if this Asifa will be more successful than the last one. All right, Bella, thank you so much for joining me this week. I appreciate you giving us uh, time out of your hectic and busy schedule. Um, I want to get a little bit of a background on you, uh, particularly as it pertains to uh, this event that happened recently. W- what is your background? How did you grow up and where are you now?
0: Okay, sure. So I grew up in Williamsburg, which is a Hasidish community. And I have since moved out to Tenafly, New Jersey, um, which is a modern Orthodox um, community for the most part.
1: So I want to get a little bit of a background as to what the history of this event that took place in the Prudential Center. Um, I know that there was an Asifa back in City Field in maybe 2013 or so, 2012, 2013, something like that. Right. Um, was this like the sequel, the part two of that of that gathering?
0: You know what? I don't know exactly and I don't know for sure, but it definitely seems like it.
1: Okay. So tell me about that gathering and then what the goal of this one was supposed to be.
0: Okay. Um, so obviously I wasn't on the board and I wasn't involved in organizing this event. So I can't say for certain. And whatever I'm saying is purely based on my knowledge of, you know, being in the community for that many years. I have a family member who's involved in, in, the event and he's an organizer um i speak to a lot of people who are involved and i've attended the the live hookup of the first um asifa so this is where i'm taking my information from the first asifa was intended for men okay um the head of the the household the head of the household so to speak um, and its purpose was to educate or rather, I think educate is not really the correct term because even if they might have marketed it that way, it wasn't necessarily educational. It was more so of a an awakening to the men of the community to get mindful about the internet and about the use of the internet. Um, at the time, the leaders were struggling with this. The internet was getting very widely popular um, of course, the internet had been around for years, but in the Hasidic circles and in the Haimish circle, so to speak, it was becoming, as the internet was becoming more and more popular, more widely used in general, and more and more things were available online and got more accessible. Um, obviously, it, it seeped into the communities and they were extremely worried about it.
1: Right. This was a uh, time like when smartphones were just about starting to dominate the cell phone world. So, like, I remember at that point, I did right. not have a smartphone, uh, but very shortly afterwards, I did and everybody else did.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So they wanted to they wanted to ensure that people are aware of the dangers. They wanted to ensure that people um, use it mindfully. They wanted to know that it's being controlled in some way. And of course, they wanted to ensure that the youth don't get access to it at all. Um, so that was the first Asifa, and that was the purpose of it, and they came out very strong against it, and that's when all these organizations started, and I don't know if you're familiar with them, but there's organizations such as Mishimmer, um, um, Gader, um, there might be one, more, one or two more, but they're basically um, tech companies, for the most part, that put filters onto phones, onto smartphones, and onto computers, Um, that's when these companies started being born and they dominated the entire industry. So obviously regulations in schools, regulations in businesses were very much tied into these companies. Meaning if, if someone wanted to go work in an office, one of the questions she would ask, or he would ask their potential employer was if they have these filters installed on their computers, or if, um, schools were interviewing parents, um, to accept their child into schools or into institutions, they would require the parents to put these filters on their phones. So this became very much part of culture and it became a requirement.
1: Okay. So I have some experience with not filters, but there's a program called covenant eyes, um, where it's not something that blocks anything, but it's more of a, a, uh, a buddy system where it, yeah. uh, where it, it basically sends your entire search history, uh, any apps that you download, anything that you're doing on the apps that, uh, to a friend, um, to somebody that you trust. And that person's supposed to be able to call you out on certain things that you shouldn't have been doing. Um, and the report comes in with certain um, different, with different ratings on, on, on sites or, or, uh, or, or images that you might've seen. So it'll tell the person, yeah, pay attention to this. So the, you'll get like a whole list of greens, which means that's fine. A yellow, which means look out. And a red means, hey, pay attention to this one. And it was up to the, the friend to make sure that you knew that somebody else was watching you, that it wasn't just uh, you uh, privately on your phone. Is that something that, uh, that the community ever looked at?
0: Yes, I think there were a couple of such um, ideas. I don't think they called it Covenant something like that. I think they. Oh were,
1: yeah, Covenant uh, Eyes. Something like
0: that. Like, I think
1: Covenant Eyes is actually a Mormon company, so it's interesting. We could. <laughs> it sounds. No, it, it is. Sounds very I mean, Christian. It is, yeah. So, but but the but the goals are the same. Yes. So it it's it's always interesting when we can take things from other other religions and ethnicities and apply them to what we need them for. Obviously, this one's very straightforward. It's it's something like that. Um. Now, that was ten years ago. About. Right. So. What has happened in the interim that, uh, that, that maybe piqued organizers' interest to make a new gathering of, of such and target maybe a different demographic?
0: Okay. Um, I think part of the answer to the question is what you already said in the question, which is that something must have happened that piqued their curiosity or that hinted to them in some way that they need to do something else. Um, what exactly it was, I can't tell you for sure. Like I said, I wasn't sitting in the board meeting, but I think that the fact that they made it for women um, said a lot about what they thought would happen if they do it again for the men. I'll leave okay. that up to the listeners' interpretation.
1: <laughs> okay. So they create this new, organi- or the, this new event for women. And tell me a little bit about this. Who was invited to this? Um, I know there was two nights for, for, right. for, for different languages. So tell me about this new event.
0: Okay, so this new event was marketed as something that is a requirement for women to attend to. It was vital, it was important to the continuation of the Gedushah of Qal Yisrael, everyone must come. All the schools required all the parents to buy tickets. Um, shuls were asking their members to go home and encourage their wives and their daughters and you know anyone in their family, their mothers, their sisters, to attend, to buy tickets. Um, I don't know this for certain, but I know that some schools actually required it to the extent where they actually tracked and made sure that every single mother of their institution and student of their institution actually got a ticket. Um, Again, I can't speak to which institution and which organization this was, but I did see text messages on people's phones, screenshots sent to me. Um, saying, um, we've noticed you haven't yet purchased your ticket for this in this event. Please make sure that before whatever and whatever you purchase it. So it was somewhat of a requirement and it was marketed as something that is not um, it's not negotiable.
1: What was the intent of the event? What, what of the event? What were they trying to get? A, and, and it was it was two nights, one night for Yiddish speakers and one night for English. speakers. Right. right? So,
0: so let's talk about that first. Okay. So so the perp- the reason why they had two nights was purely politics, in my opinion, um, they, the, the Yiddish-speaking religious community and the English-speaking community um, are very different. Obviously they're all religious and obviously they all um, are, are Heimish, so to speak, but they, they had to speak to these two demographics very differently. Um, and they also had to appeal to the, <sighs> it's something that's hard to explain when it comes to like, when it comes to different chassidists specifically, there's so much going on between them politically that it's hard to navigate satisfying every rebel, so to speak. So to give you an example, Satmar would only allow their um, women folk to attend an event that there's only a specific set of speakers, meaning they wouldn't allow speakers who speak to an English-speaking crowd talk to their women folk. Right. They just don't agree with them, philosophically and in and, 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 and many different levels.
1: So they had to curate the speaker, the roster of speakers. Exactly. The roster of speakers, exactly. okay.
0: roster of speakers had to, to cater to different crowds, and it had to be approved by the rabbis and, and all that. So they had to make two separate events for these, for these reasons. The, the Yiddish speaking event was mainly for Williamsburg, Monroe, probably a little bit of Muncie. Or, um, and then bar park, Yiddish speaking women. Although I imagine that a lot of bar park people went to the English speaking one. Mm-hmm. They did not have buses to the English speaking event from Williamsburg. It wasn't an option. The English event was for Lakewood mostly, and then whoever else, bar park probably in, in Muncie, English speaking crowd. The vibes at both of these events were very different. The Yiddish-speaking crowd had a much more serious tone um, and a much more scary tone and the English-speaking event was much more inspiring, a, a bit more motivational oriented.
1: Why do you think that is?
0: I think that's because of the type of speakers that you have at Yiddish-speaking events and English-speaking events.
1: It's interesting because I, 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 I asked you that because I wanted to know if it was the speakers or if it's the audience. Like, does the well, audience respond better to, do, do certain audiences respond better to inspiring versus fire and brimstone? Or do certain speakers, are, are they more effective with fire and brimstone versus versus uh, insp- inspirational?
0: No, I, I have it has nothing to do with the audiences. Um, a, a com- me coming from a very Yiddish speaking community and always being surrounded by Yiddish speaking women, we enjoyed the english-speaking speakers way more when we wanted to listen to something inspiring and we wanted to listen to something nice we went and listened to the the they had we obviously didn't have podcasts or anything sophisticated at the time but we listened to these hotlines that had like rabbis and doctors speaking seminary principals and teachers speaking rather than your local you know dying from around the corner who was sheer I don't think it had anything to do with the audiences. I think it's mostly just, again, the rabbis and their politics and the type of, the type of messages that they allow their women to hear. The, and in general, Yiddish speaking speakers, there aren't that many of them. And most of them are not that, they don't have that much scope. Um, they don't have that much spectrum. They're just, they're, they're coming from a much more, from a, a much narrower, narrower perspective. This is not to say that there aren't either speaking very inspiring people out there. They just couldn't attend this event because most people don't agree with them. Most I, institutions don't agree with them.
1: I just had a few questions on, on demographics, and i will get back to you. it. Was uh, was Crown Heights involved with this at all? I have no idea. No idea. Um, uh, we mentioned that the schools were sending their, their not only the, the mothers but the you know the, the students. What age do you do you know of that was was going from from what age are you are you talking about high school? Are you Everything. talking about? Every like, Every like is uh, is is a, a six year old going? Is a is a ten year old going? Like, probably
0: not. Probably not. So where teenager, where are we high school girls? So high school girls starting from mm-hmm. the age of 14, 13, 14, up till my mother who's over seventy. So,
1: and do you and do you think that there were people that went to both events?
0: There may have been, but if if someone did go to both events, it was probably for educational purposes, maybe teachers and principals who wanted to hear both perspectives, wanted to know what to tell their students, um, people like that had an agenda, community, yeah.
1: community leaders type of a thing. Community that, that, leaders, that, yeah, okay. exactly.
0: People who had to be in the know. All
1: right. So now let's get to what actually uh, took place at what, what, what type, look, we'll, we'll start with the, the Yiddish side and then we'll go to the English side. So with the Yiddish side, what was the overall message to the women in attendance? And I guess if anybody, was this available for people at home at all?
0: So yes, there were some live streams hotlines. Okay. Um, they did not allow any video um, or any type of photography at all. So they didn't hook it up anywhere and, and let people watch it live.
1: It was but audio. The
0: were, yes, the speeches were available to hear.
1: Okay. And um, and the, speak, the speakers were men, women?
0: So the speakers were men. Were men, by, men. The, by the Yiddish speaking um, event, only men. Um, the English-speaking event did have some women speaking. Okay. I listened so, to the Yiddish one. Okay. Um, I did not listen to the English one. Okay. Just want to put that out there.
1: So let's let's talk about the uh, of what happened. At, what was the overall message? Uh, was was there was there an overall message, or did each speaker kind of do his own thing?
0: There was an overall message. The overall message, I think, and again, everyone had their options, and everyone was able to interpret it however they wanted. The overall message was the internet is killing the Kedusha of your home and you are responsible to manage that. It's your responsibility as the woman of the house, as the mother of the home, to to set boundaries and never to allow it to penetrate.
1: Okay, and what were some of the boundaries that were recommended to be set?
0: So this was very popular, get off social media. So people who are on Instagram or had any accounts and any social media platform were encouraged to get off of it.
1: To be to fair, to be fair to that perspective, that is not just a perspective of the uh, the ultra-orthodox community. That I I've often thought about getting off social media. And so it's anybody who spent any time on social media has 100%. had that thought. So 100%. but I, I feel like the underlying reasons for it are different.
0: A hundred percent. And and that's that's gonna be my next thing that I want to discuss. It's not that. No one disagrees with this, right? The internet is complicated. Social media is complicated. It's a heavy topic. We're all experiencing it. We're all going through this. We all have children who are raising in the age of the internet. It's so new to everyone. And psychologists are grappling with this. But the the mode and the method um, in which you're going to try and get people to think about it, that is very different, vastly different. In, okay. in, in such communities.
1: Okay, so get, get, well get off alive. social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever whatever it is that you have, get off of it. WhatsApp. Get gone. off of it. Okay.
0: Yeah, just get off of the, Get off All of right. any type of social so, media. And do not allow internet into your home. So if you have a computer, um, for whatever it is that you need it, obviously make sure you have a filter, make sure that no one can access it. I don't know if they specifically gave direction on things like this but it was very clear that it's up to you to make sure that none of your children or your husband or yourself in any way um are are exposed to things on the internet that are unhealthy things on the internet that can be damaging in some way etc
1: all right did uh what is the topic of of kosher phone quote-unquote was that brought up meaning are there carve-outs for anything so for instance I, I personally like listening to Shirim online. So if I'm getting rid of the, the internet from my home, how am I gonna get my like Dafyomi Shir or my weekly Parsha Shir that I like listening to that I only get because a specific app has it available to me?
0: Right. So again, I, I, I don't know for certain the Yiddish speak, the Yiddish event that I listened to didn't speak about it in detail and didn't go into anything in depth much. Um, I know that at the English speaking event, the message was a little bit more direct and specific, and it did encourage people to have two separate devices. So it encouraged people to have a tablet for business if they need to, or if they're getting emails or if they're accessing certain Torah related things through the internet, they should have separate devices for it um, as much as possible, shouldn't enter their homes, shouldn't be in front of their children. Um, and and definitely, definitely no phones that was a very strong message as well. Um, like get your smartphones out of the way. You can have the internet if you need it on a tablet, on a computer, on a device that's specific for that. But smartphones were, were extremely, they, they came down pretty hard on, on smartphones.
1: I, I, I as someone who has a probable admitted uh, addiction to his smartphone, I, I definitely understand where they're coming from. Um, there, are, there are ways to get, there There are ways, to, uh, strategies that people have in place. And as a matter of fact, we did another episode on that particular topic to right. get rid of the smartphones being an overarching, uh, like just always a constant, a constant presence in your life. Um, but this, again, obviously it's coming from a different place where, where, where it means getting rid of your, your smartphone entirely. Um, hard to get a, a not-smartphone these days, though. Um, yeah, very. I, I have tried to, to see, like, what it would take to get. You, if you walk into, like, an AT&T store and you say, do you have a regular dumb phone? They look at you like you are a dumb phone.
0: Yeah.
1: A, and it's, it's not super easy to, to come across them. Right. Um, so, I don't know if
0: you know, but there's a Waze phone. So for people who don't want to have a smartphone, but they want to have Waze, Um, because for some reason, the Waze app became the app for driving and uh, mapping. I'm a Google Um, Maps fan myself,
1: but yeah, I hear you. There
0: there was a company that that got a bunch of smartphones and in some ways stripped it of every capability, um, and they only allow the Waze app to function on it. So unless you're a tech guru, you cannot figure anything else out of a smartphone other than halfway. And if
1: you're a tech guru or or or, or someone like that, you probably are getting a regular smartphone anyway. Exactly. Um, all right. So they you have these two different speeches uh, talking about the evils of of the smartphone. Maybe some have uh, directives on how to Um, manage these things they tell you they've they've explained to the women that is their responsibility which is ironic because the first time around they i guess they tried telling the men and i guess based on your answer earlier we're going to assume that that didn't work so it became the women's responsibility once the men were not the ones that 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 followed through on it um will this be successful it's been 10 years since the last one and now we're, we're 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 at a new strategy where we, we got all the women involved. Will this one be successful or will we have another Asifa in 10 years from now?
0: Okay, so I have no idea. But based on history and history repeats itself, it probably won't be successful long-term. The world's ever-evolving and people are ever-evolving. So at the moment, I think a lot of women got very inspired. Um, and you definitely could see that. You could see that on Instagram with a bunch of very prominent accounts closing down um, for a bunch, but... Certain prominent accounts that had over a couple of thousand followers closed their accounts. Um, they did continue to operate on the internet. They all said, continue to follow us on WhatsApp status, continue to follow us um, on our website. He, you know, they gave their information, but um, their Inst- Instagram is where a lot of women took it very seriously and closed their accounts. Obviously that was more relevant in the English speaking crowd, just because a lot of the Yiddish speaking people don't even have Instagram. Um, they they it's just not a demographic where it's that popular. Um, and between you and me, I'm assuming that those people didn't shut their accounts. Um, if they did, if they do have Instagram. Yes, account.
1: between you and me, and all the people listening to us right now, and all
0: the people listening to us, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Yiddish speaking crowd came out very. Um, I found pretty encouraged. Like yes, they they they, they actually. I think the word "empowered" is actually a correct word here as well. Hmm. Like, yes, we are the responsible um, ones in this household. We are responsible to make sure that our future generations stay holy and have the kadusha that we want to impart. And yes, they 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 were very empowered by the 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 men telling them that they hold the power. So that was great interesting.
1: That. It's interesting because that's not necessarily a word you would use in general with. I, I don't I don't want to be stereotypical here, but with the Yiddish speaking crowd that you that you, you don't often hear um, women coming away from an event feeling empowered. That's not really how that works.
0: I, I don't know if it was conscious, honestly,
1: hmm.
0: but I think that when when I'm just thinking back to how I used to come out feeling from such events and how the people around me used to come out from such events and some people who I've spoken to who I know don't have smartphones and were never on the Internet. Um, and how they relate their experience to me. They all keep on saying the same words. And, and it's all surrounding um, feeling very responsible, feeling very, very much in control. Like, yes, we, we knew that we're the ones who were supposed to put our foot, like our, our foot down. We, we do hold the key. We do have to make sure that our sons and our husbands don't do whatever on the internet. Um, and and now the rabbis validated that, and it gives them a lot of empowerment. That is the feeling ultimately. Right. It makes them feel important, it makes them feel valuable.
1: Now I, I know you didn't listen to the to the English uh, side, but on either one, you, you so we, was we're, 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 there's, there's an overall positive vibe. Are, was there any negative reaction? like uh, uh, maybe a a feeling of resentment by saying, why is this my responsibility?
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you saw that on Instagram a lot, um, especially after big accounts closed down, you had other influencers posting about it and talking about it and kind of telling them off and, and saying, well, you know, thank you for your, for your judgment like toward me, like we all were here for many years. We all got very successful. Instagram was a great space for women. They all empowered each other. They all did great things um, and they all grew their businesses. It, it, was, it was a great space for women to grow their businesses and be heard and be themselves. And the, the women who stayed on, I think all unanimously felt the same way that it was extremely, it was judgmental. It made them feel like they were responsible for the things that they're not responsible for. Um, it was untrue and it, it probably is untrue um, that they are responsible for how other people try to navigate the internet. And that of course that it, the, the, the message was that it's not a holy thing and that it's unholy and that it's not kosher and that it's, and they felt otherwise. And they felt that you can bring holiness and you can bring um, wholesomeness into your home, despite having the internet, and you can be a great Jew and a great woman, even if you have the internet, and even if you have social media accounts, um, and, and being on the internet is, is an extremely effective platform for them to do good. It's not only the bad. Um, so yeah, they, there was a lot of resentment, and they and a lot of people felt very judged. And they, they, they made their voices heard. They, there was a lot of talk about it.
1: All right, so I want to ask you about two other demographics that are kind of are kind of at this point in this conversation are, are, are not really the main the main attraction. First right. of all, men. Um, so the men of the community, does this how do how do how have you have you seen the reaction from men? Um, are they for this? Are they are they encouraging their their wives and daughters to to take on this role? Uh, do they feel Kind of that they've been they've had something taken away from them, or that they've been scolded behind their back. How 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 is the reaction from the men been?
0: I think that the the men and the women both hold unanimous um, opinions on the matter. Those that are pro are pro. Those that are against are against.
1: Okay, and which one do you think is is more vocal? Is 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 larger?
0: It's hard to tell.
1: Right, it's hard to tell because the the I guess the the ones who are still online are going to be the ones that are going to be more vocal to people who are online and the ones who ditched their online presence are no longer really available to people outside of the community?
0: I don't know. Honestly, I, I think that I think that in general, in, in religious communities, um, this for me, this was more about the targeting of women. Hmm. And I, I don't think that the men, whether they are pro the Internet or anti the Internet or pro their women or their wives or their daughters being on, on the Internet or not, I don't think they really connect with that. I don't think they have the experience that a woman has um, being able to have her freedoms and her liberties. They just don't. And I don't think they can speak to that. I think that there were a lot of men, I know a lot of men, who were extremely upset with what happened um, because they're more feminist and they understand how damaging this could be. But um, I don't get to see the other side, honestly. hmm. I, I don't. And I don't think there's much talk about it. It's a lot of men just don't care. They're like, whatever, another Asifa,
1: whatever, like just. Right. So it's interesting that you say that because there's basically two ways to look at this. Is it that we're blaming women that they didn't do anything until now? And now it's and now we're really coming down on them. Or it's, listen, the men, the men messed up. They They didn't do what they were supposed to. And we have nowhere else to turn. Please help us. There's two different ways of looking at that. Of of what went on and the the way that you just described how a lot of men and this is not just in the Hasidic community uh, right. a, a lot of men feel it's like yeah whatever okay you guys do you I'll still do whatever I do and uh, and if uh, and if something changes it changes if not it not it, it, it's kind of probably why the first Hasifa wasn't successful because that's kind of how men in general feel I apologize <laughs> for all the men out there who I I'm, I'm stereotyping I am a man also so I'm stereotyping myself. Um, and and the people that I that I that I'm friends with, and this is kind of our reaction to a lot of things. This yeah. kind of brings me to the other group that I wanted to talk about, and that is Orthodox Jews that don't fall into the group that this asifa was was targeted at. Uh, yeah. Modern Orthodox, um maybe uh, if there's any Chabad people listening, because I don't I don't know if Chabad was involved with this, but a lot of the other orthodox groups of, of, of uh, Jews, um, what could we learn from this? Because I think we all agree, and you've said it before, that there are major problems with the internet. And we don't have to go into divulging exactly what the problems are there. There's, there, there's a myriad of them. Um, but what can we take out of the fact that there's a, a, an enormous sect of our population that is so intent on quashing the problems that they are willing to spend millions of dollars to bring people into a large gathering to rail against the dangers of this. So is there something that we could practically take out of it? Is there something that we could cognitively uh, understand? Is there something that we can apply to our lives that maybe not to the extent of banning the internet from your house? Because I don't think that too many of my listeners will do that. And if you do, please keep the podcast. It's great uh, that you're keeping and listening. But is there something that we could practically do um, that you think would be helpful in our lives uh, that you might have heard from the Asifa?
0: So, no, I don't think that that there's anything there that was helpful that would help people outside of the, the extremely um, communities. I'll refer to them as extremely heimish because I, I don't like to label things, but I think that if if people outside of these communities were to understand the, the level of, I don't want to use words that sound derogatory, right? I, I don't want to make anything sound worse than it is because at the end of the day, even in communities that are pretty um, suppressed there's always people who are just going to do whatever the hell they want um and people do think for themselves and people make their own decisions yes but i think that if let's say the modern orthodox or the chabad community understands the level at which women um can potentially be um suppressed that are controlled with um a they they'll gain an appreciation for whatever it is that they have and um, for their lifestyle um, a little bit more than what they have potentially. Um, and I think that they can understand where the Hasidish people come from in terms of mindsets a little bit more and maybe pass a little less judgment or lend a helping hand.
1: And I know that's a topic for a different time but that is a discussion that I've wanted to have for a long time about how different sects of, of Judaism kind of view each other. It's it's something that I that I did broach on with another topic, another another podcast. Um and we'll uh well, if anybody wants to listen to our, our conversation with David Bashevkin, that was something that we that we that we touched on. And he had a little bit more of an inspiring message on that.
0: Right. Um, how, how we can bridge the gap.
1: Yeah. But um my, my last question to you is what would a successful program like this look like? If you so you are you not you're not sure if this was if this is going to be a successful program, um, but from what I understand, you're saying is that um, the way that women are generally uh, treated, or uh, I'll, I'll put used in, in scare quotes, so it's not used in that way, but it's just like in order to accomplish a certain goal um, in in the in, in the in the ultra ultra hasidish communities, ultra hamish communities, um, what would be something that if you were an event organizer and you said, listen, I wanna get women to be more uh, on board with this message, what is something that you would want them to hear?
0: Okay, so that's a great question. Um, I would want them to have access to education, just like we all do. Um, Like I said before, the internet is something that is a universal issue. We're all grappling with it. And the biggest scientists and the biggest psychologists are on this. Um, And information is so important. Knowing how to approach a discussion with a child regarding the internet, knowing what to allow and what not to allow. For instance, I just had, I'm on a, I'm on a couple of groups with a lot of people, but just today someone posted on one of the groups Does anyone know what filter or what um, app I can install on my computer that will limit my children from seeing certain things on the internet? Now, this is a person who is. Coming from a Hasidish background, um, not Hasidish currently, very cultured, very knowledgeable, super intelligent person, but not a clue on where to start when it comes to matters of limiting the internet or in some way filtering it um, in in a healthy way, not in a completely cut off and and, 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 well, you know, his kids are going to have access to the internet anyhow. That's just the reality. This is the world we live in. He wants to know how to properly approach this. He wants to know how to educate. And so do I, right? Um, And I think that that's what leadership needs to focus on, on on education. Acknowledge the fact that it's here. Acknowledge the fact that it's here to stay. Don't try to eliminate it because it's not gonna happen and it's not gonna work. People will just feel more suppressed and just get more resentful. Educate, educate, educate.
1: Phenomenal, that's a great way to end. Uh, I feel weird asking you this question after this whole conversation. But uh, Bella, do you have places where people can find you on social media?
0: <laughs> Currently not.
1: Oh, wow. That's but very impressive.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I'm Bella Silver, and I'm hoping to open a social media account. Not to spite the Asifa. This is something that I've been thinking about for a while, and I think I'm going to make it happen. Um, All right. If
1: your social media of choice would be?
0: probably Instagram or TikTok. I'm not All sure. All
1: right. I was going to say TikTok because that's a little bit more mo- the modern Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially um, the content that I want to produce. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, and we'll look forward to that. And if anybody out there would uh, like me to follow up with them and let me let you know when Bella has opened that, uh, send me an email and we'll let you know when, when that happens. Um, Bella, is there any, any, any final thoughts you want to lead us with?
0: In relation to this topic, I think my one last message would be that women are amazing. They don't need anyone to tell them how to navigate their lives. They have an instinct, they have wisdom that is just innate and inborn, and they should trust that. They don't need anyone or any man to be specific to ever tell them how to raise their children, to ever guilt trip them into thinking that they're not doing it right, they have an in innate they have it in born they should trust that and they should go with it and that's the best um that's their best guidance that they can ever get
1: phenomenal bella thank you so much for joining me this week much hat in everything you're going to do and i hope to see you on tiktok soon
0: thank you such a pleasure to be here
1: a little behind the scenes here at the jlp I ask all of my guests to let me know if there's anything they want to mention after we record. Usually it may be a request to remove something that didn't come out as intended, but Bella sent me a few voice notes of things to add in, which I'd like to play for you now.
0: I would also add, maybe in your comments in the end, um, in the part where I mention filters, I don't mention TAG, which is TAG is the biggest filtering organization, and they actually were the ones who made the Asifa. So I think it would be inappropriate if we don't include their name there. I also think that we, we spoke about um, the need for education and people not knowing how to approach the internet safely. Um, maybe mention some resources like, you know, that every phone company, um, when you apply for their services, have different levels of content they allow through. They have like these default filters. So just like you have in movies, uh, PG-13 and etc. they have these options. Um, to start and then there's also like on on music um, Apps, I, I know the place is only where I use them. So on music apps um, a lot of them have options um, to only play the child-friendly songs um, and to eliminate like any curse words and things like that um, On YouTube, there's also some settings that can be applied for age appropriateness maybe talk about um, encouraging families to set up different accounts for every child with different devices um, and have settings set appropriately to their age group. Obviously, if some families are a bit more stringent, like they if they wanna set a bit like stronger filters, they can always apply a lower age filter to a, a higher age child. Like I would probably apply a filter for my six year old, I would probably apply like a four year, five year old filter. Because the more the more secular a child is, the more they know. Um, I, I find personally, and the the younger age filters I find are more applicable to the older age kids in more religious communities. just my personal opinion. Um, maybe maybe talk a little bit about that, or you can say it in my name that I said as a follow-up. However you want to phrase it. I just feel like it's appropriate to put it in there. And if you want, i can I can send you some names of some apps that do some filtering the reason why i'm saying this is because we, we and we didn't discuss this on the on the podcast either and i think it's important for people to understand like what is the problem with using filters like tag, machimergate or data, these things they they are filters that's exactly the purpose of them and that's what we want people to have the problem with these filters are is that number one they're not customizable for what people specifically want they're these are these are limitations that are set by people who don't necessarily um, live your lifestyle, have your views on things, Um, and they're regulated by um, random either activists or rebbes or community leaders who don't necessarily have your perspectives in mind. They have their own opinions and that's what they're just going to try and impose on you. So there's there's a problem with that. living by the rules of other people, number one. Number two, none of these filters are secure, meaning on the back end, um, people running these organizations, people running these filters have full access to your phone, Um, and privacy and security is is a really big
1: issue. My thanks to Bella Silver for joining me this week. I'm always interested in learning about how sects of Judaism that I am not particularly familiar with function. While this episode didn't delve into intricate details of the Hasidic communities, it did shed a light on where we are similar and where we are different. I look forward to further looking into different sects of Judaism to uncover just how different they are. If you would like us to have a discussion on a particular sect, let us know by emailing us at jewishlivingpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, kol tov. The Jewish Living
0: Podcast is recorded in conjunction with the Queen's Jewish Link. Our theme song is The Band by A.B. Rottenberg. Follow us on Facebook at The Jewish Living Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at jewish underscore living. You can also email the show at jewishlivingpodcast at gmail.com.